Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Morning, everyone. Oh, 65 people light this morning. Would you rather be here or would you rather be on a sports pitch at Quinta? Um, hands up for Quinta. <laughs> I feel loved. <laughs> uh, Rebecca, that was awesome. Um, in fact, that's, uh, that's what we've been banging on about over the past few weeks. That's destiny, people. That is uh, someone stepping up into their destiny, uh, realizing their destiny, putting Jesus at the heart, and then stepping up into it. Um, so we applaud you for doing that, and it doesn't matter what your calling and destiny is. Uh, we just simply want people to step up into the things of God, the things that God's been putting into people's hands. So, um, huge thanks. Carry on doing it. Um, hands, feet, and voice of Jesus in the world of business, in the world of charity, in your school, in your retirement home, you can be hands, feet, and voice of Jesus, even on a sports pitch at Quinter. Father. Heavenly Father, we... We come to you now. I would love it if every single person here had an encounter with the living God. So Spirit of the living God, would you come right now? Would you fill our hearts with your presence right now? Would you fill our hearts with Jesus right now? Spirit of the living God, would you flow in this place? Would there be a thick perfume of presence in this place? Would there be encounter with a living God? May this not just be Sunday, maybe a day where the sun reigns. May it be a day where we encounter an amazing God. So Spirit of the living God, would you fill me afresh? Would you fill everyone afresh? Would there be encounter today? In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So guys, as you've kind of guessed over the past few weeks, we've been banging on all about destiny on Sunday mornings. Spending a whole bunch of time checking out our calling, checking out our purpose, checking out our destiny in life. Why in the blazes are we still doing here on planet Earth instead of being zapped off to heaven to spend forever after singing with the angels? And you know what? Over the past few weeks, God has been revealing some amazing destinies here in this church. The awesome person who's sitting here this morning whose destiny has been revealed to be a gorilla gardener. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But more about her over the next few weeks. The amazing person in this church sitting here today whose destiny is to set up and run a furniture bank. But more about her over the next few weeks. The amazing person sitting here today uh, whose destiny has been revealed... Uh, to run Freedom in Christ courses, but more about him over the next few weeks. But what about the rest of us? Yeah. It's all right for them, isn't it? I'd like to be a gorilla gardener, wouldn't you? No idea what it is, but I'd like to be one. <laughs> What's our calling? What's our purpose? What's our destiny? You know, I've been uh, running churches in four different locations in three different countries over the past 20 years. 
And I probably get asked that question more than anything else. What is my calling in life? What is my destiny in life? What is my purpose in life? Well, guys, get this. What if? What if your destiny actually ain't something new? What if your destiny actually ain't a future thing? What if? What if you're actually living it right now? What if? What if you're already right now in the place that your holy and amazing God wants you to be in? What if? What if your destiny is all wrapped up with your position in your family, or all wrapped up in your position on your street, or all wrapped up in your position in your office, or all wrapped up in your position on your bus ride to work, or all wrapped up on the football touchline? What if? What if you're already in your destiny zone, but you just haven't realized it yet? What if? What if? What if? What if? Over the next few minutes, we're going to be checking out a story of what if. The story of a woman who suddenly realizes that she is actually in the middle of her destiny. (laughs) She didn't realize it before, but she suddenly rocks up and understands she is in the middle of her destiny. The story of a woman who then goes and busts a gut to go fulfill her destiny. The story of a woman called Esther. We find that story in the Bible. Now, there are 167 verses in the book of Esther. And uh, if I read them to you, all of them to you, we might be here till tomorrow morning. Okay? So I'm going to tell you some of the story. I'm going to read you some of the story. And then we're going to try and work out together what God is saying to us from the story of Esther. Is that okay? Good. Here we go. So, last week, previously... Will, the amazing Will, kicked off the story of Esther. But here's the backstory. We're not going to go there yet, Jonathan. You've, 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 you've buzzed on too fast. So it all kicks off in, there she is, 586 BC. Now the Babylonians are central figures in the first part of the story. And the Babylonians, under the leadership of a dude called King Nebuchadnezzar, well, they go conquer Judah and the city of Jerusalem and... Whoosh, whisk off the Jews who are living there into exile, into Babylonia, into Iran and Iraq. Then in 539 BC, that's 47 years later, the Persians, under the leadership of a dude called King Cyrus, well, they go conquer the Babylonians. And some of the Jews, fellas by the name of Nehemiah and Ezra and the awesomely named Zerubbabel, say that, Nice one, okay. They're allowed back home to go rebuild the city of Jerusalem. However, other Jews decide to remain back in Persia, in Iran, and in Iraq. Now, the story of Esther takes place 50 years later. And it takes place amongst the Jews who have stayed back, who are living back in Persia. And it takes place in a city called Susa, which we find in modern-day Iran. The fella who's now sitting on the throne is a dude by the name of King Xerxes, whose empire ran from the borders of Greece in the west to Pakistan in the east. 
All right, you still with me? Do you like that bit of history and geography, or are you totally bored already? There you go, a little bit. Fair enough, okay. So Esther's story kicks off with a bit of bother. Queen Vashti refuses to attend a party that King Xerxes is throwing to go show off his kingdom. And so Xerxes gets mad, and so Vashti gets fired. She's chucked off a throne, and a search for a new queen commences. And this is where Esther steps in. Now, Esther's Jewish. She's part of the Jewish community who've remained behind in Persia. Esther's also an orphan who's been brought up by her cousin, a Jewish dude by the name of Mordecai. And Esther is also beautiful. And King Xerxes selects her, chooses her to be his bride ahead of all the other beautiful people, beautiful women living in the kingdom of Persia. She was to be his new queen. However, Esther never reveals to Xerxes that she's Jewish on the advice of her cousin Mordecai. Now then, can we move on to Mordecai for a bit? Should we just do this together? Okay. (laughs) Should we move on to Mordecai for a bit? Okay, here we go. Okay. One day, Mordecai overhears a plot hatched by a couple of King Xerxes' henchmen, soldiers, dudes by the name of Big Thana and Teresh. I reckon they should be rappers, Big Thana. Okay. They want to go kill Xerxes. But Mordecai grasses them up to the king, and the soldiers go get arrested and go get put to death, impaled on poles, which is kind of the favorite capital punishment in the land of Persia. Now, you kind of think that Xerxes would be all kind of happy about that, wouldn't you? People were going to kill him. Mordecai grasses them up. They get stuck on the pole. You kind of think that Xerxes would be happy and that he would be kind of grateful to Mordecai, wouldn't you? But Xerxes, well, he kind of forgets all about Mordecai. And instead goes and honors a dude by the name of Haman. Haman the Agagite. And goes and makes Haman number two in his lands. Now, Haman was an Agagite. And the Agagites descended from King Agag. And he was the king of the Amalekites. Now, back in the day, in the book of Exodus, second book of the Bible, just after God has led the Israelites out of the land of Egypt and had parted the waters of the mighty Red Sea to allow his people to escape the enemy, it was the Amalekites who were the first people who went up and tried to fight the Israelites. And so God gets blazing angry with the Amalekites and ordered his people to go destroy them. So back to the story of Esther. Mordecai, when he sees that King Xerxes has gone and honored Haman the Agagite, Haman the Amalekite, Mordecai goes and gets mad and refuses to bow down and worship Haman, the enemy of all the Jewish people. And so Haman, he gets mad. And he plots his revenge against Mordecai, but also against all the Jewish people living in Persia. We're going to start reading the Bible. Check out with me Esther chapter 3, verses 5 to 13 goes like this. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, 
he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes, down to verse 8. Then Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed among all the people in the province of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from all of those of the other people, and they do not obey the king's laws. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give you 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. So the king, the absolute muppet, that bit's not in scripture, um, he took his signet ring from his finger and gave it to Haman, the son of that man, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. Keep that money, the king said to Haman, and do with the people as you please. Verse 13, dispatches were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with the order to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews. Always the Jews, young and old, women and children, on a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. Well, this news absolutely shocks and devastates Mordecai. And he pleads with Queen Esther to go change King Xerxes' mind. But Esther's scared, wouldn't you be? Not even the Queen of Persia is supposed to go approach the king without being invited. Doing so could see her impaled on another of King Xerxes' poles. So Mordecai calls her out. Check out Esther chapter 4, verses 12 to 14. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? But you, that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. One of the most famous verses of the entire Old Testament, first part of the Bible. For such a time as this. Or in other words, what if? What if? What if, Esther, you're actually already living your destiny? What if? And Mordecai is what if words kind of do the trick. Check out Esther's response. Chapter 4, verses 15 to 16. says this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go. Gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law, and if I perish... I perish. Again, one of the most famous verses in the entire canon of the Old Testament. All right, guys, can we do some reading? Uh, we haven't started yet, by the way. We're going to do some serious reading. Do you like Esther's story? Yeah, yeah? Do you like the impaling on poles bit or the Esther bit? All right, here we go. Uh, if you've got a Bible, can you grab it? We're going to do some speed reading. Esther's Chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7 through to verse 10. Are you ready? Words will also be on the screen. Here we go. 
On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. I wish I got my glasses. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When, queen, when he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman... Come today to a banquet I have prepared for him. I have no idea why I'm pronouncing Haman like that, but here we go. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asks. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. As they were drinking wine, the king again asked Esther, now what is your petition? It will be given you. And what is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Esther replied, my petition and my request is this. If the king regards me with favor... And if the king, it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, let the king and Haman come tomorrow to the banquet I will prepare for them. Then I will answer the king's question. Haman went out that day happy, like a room without a roof, and in high spirits. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gate and observed that he neither rose nor showed fear in his presence, he was filled with rage against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home, calling together his friends and Zeresh, his wife, Haman boasted to them about his vast wealth, his many sons, and all the ways the king had honored him, and how he had elevated him above the other nobles and officials. And that's not all, Haman added. I'm the only person Queen Esther invited to accompany the king to the banquet she gave, and she's invited me along with the king tomorrow. But all this gives me no satisfaction, as long as I see that Jew Mordecai sitting at the king's gates. His wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, have a pole set up reaching to a height of 50 cubits, and ask the king in the morning to have Mordecai impaled on it. Then go with the king to the banquet and enjoy yourself. The suggestion delighted Haman, and he had the pole set up that night. The king could not sleep, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought and read to him. It was found recorded that Mordecai had... A, a nice tune. That Mordecai... <laughs> had exposed Bichthana and Teresh, two of the king's officers, who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai re received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. The king said, who's in the court? Then Haman, now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai and the pole he'd set up for him. His attendants answered, Haman standing in the court. Bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now, Haman thought to himself, who is there that the king would rather honor than me? So he answered the king, for the man the king delights to honor. Let them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, one with a royal crest placed on his head. Then let the robe and horse be entrusted to one of the king's most noble princes. Let them robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you have suggested for Mordecai the Jew, who sits at the king's gate. Do not neglect anything you have recommended. So Haman got the robe and the horse he robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. Afterwards, Mordecai rushed, returned to the king's gates, 
But Haman rushed home with his head covered in grief and told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends everything that had happened to him. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai before, whom your downfall has started, is of Jewish origin, you cannot stand against him. You will surely come to ruin. She seemed quite happy about this. While they were still talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried Haman away to the banquet that Esther had prepared. So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. And as they were drinking wine on the second day, the king again asked, Queen Esther, what is your petition? It will be given you. What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be granted. Then Queen Esther answered, if I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if it pleases you, grant me my life. This is my petition. And spare my people. This is my request. For I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. If we had been merely sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept quiet. Because no such distress would justify disturbing the king. King Xerxes asked Queen Esther, Who is he? Where is he? The man who has dared to do such a thing. Esther said, An adversary and enemy. This vile Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and queen. The king got up in a rage, left his wine, went out into the palace garden. But Haman, realizing that the king had already decided his fate, stayed behind to beg Queen Esther for his life. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banqueting hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Will he even molest the queen while she is with me in, his, in this house? As soon as the word left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs attending the king, said, A pole reaching to a height of 50 cubits stands by Haman's house. He had it set up for Mordecai, who spoke up to help the king. The king said, Impale him on it. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. Then the king's fury subsided. Wow. That's a story, hey? I don't know about you, but I, I, I kind of think we should um, read this a bit more. Yeah? Publicly. Read it a bit more at home. Um, God's speaking today. God could speak in so many different ways, but he chooses so often to speak through this. And um, Put this in the heart of all you do, guys. Wow. So, Haman the Agagite, Haman the Amalekite, Haman the enemy of the Jews is dead. Impaled on a pole. It seems that Esther has gone and saved the day. Do you want to know the rest of the story? Yeah. Come back in two weeks and you're going to hear it. Okay. So, here we go. 167 verses in the book of Esther. And how many times is God mentioned in the book of Esther? Uh-uh. Absolutely zero. Never in the book of Esther is God's name mentioned. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Don't you find that weird? In one of the uh, 66 books of the Bible, God is not mentioned. Uh, yet despite all that, the book of Esther is actually a book all about God. All about God working out a plan to save his people from death. A book all about God using his servant Esther to go and save his people from death. Haman the Agagite, Haman the Amalekite, Haman the enemy of the Jews wanted to go kill Mordecai and to ethnically cleanse all the Jewish people living in the land of Persia. And yet God would not allow that to happen. And so he went and chose Esther to go save his people 
and bring them salvation. This was her calling in life. This was her purpose in life. This was her destiny. And so this is what she went and did. Three things. Here's the first thing. She got her what if. She got her what if. You know, it actually took Esther a whole bunch of time to realize her calling and to realize her purpose and to realize her destiny. Despite the fact that it was actually staring her in the face all along. It took Esther a whole bunch of time to realize her what if, despite the fact that it was actually staring her in the face all the time. It took Esther a whole bunch of time to realize that actually God was behind it all, despite the fact it was staring at her from the beginning of time. Haman had to be stopped, yeah? Haman had to be removed from the scene. The persecution of the Jews had to be stopped. The impaling of foreigners had to be stopped. And so God actually got out his chessboard and he moved his queen into position and he showed his queen how to go make the winning move. Suddenly, Esther got it. Suddenly, Esther got her what if. Suddenly, Esther realized she was there for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Don't know what she'd been thinking all that time. Suddenly, she got her what if for such a time as this. Guys, maybe it's actually the same for you and me. Maybe um, actually you and I, we're actually looking in all the wrong places. Uh, maybe actually this destiny thing is actually staring you in the face. Uh, maybe your calling ain't actually something for the future. Maybe your destiny actually ain't about becoming tomorrow's guerrilla gardener or tomorrow's furniture bank guru or tomorrow's uh, freedom in Christ organizer. Maybe your destiny is actually all around you right now. Maybe you're actually already living your destiny whether you realize it or not. Maybe God's placed you in your family or on your streets or in your office or on your bus on the way to work or on your football touchline for such a time as this. Are you catching my drift here? Guys, destiny actually always kicks off with recognizing your what if. Your what if. So here's the question. Have you recognized yours yet? But there's more. Because Esther didn't stay with her what if. She didn't stay with her recognizing her what if. She moved on, and the next thing she did was put God slap bang in the hearts. She put God right in the center of her what if, her destiny, her calling, her purpose. You see, the temptation for Esther right now was to get all gung-ho, yeah? Uh, to go leap into action. Uh, to go and destroy Haman. To be a destiny fulfiller. To go and be a Haman impaler. But Esther was actually a smarter cookie than all that. She knew that if she was going to succeed in her what if, she knew that if she was going to succeed in her destiny, in her calling and her purpose, she had to go get God's help. She had to go get herself up close and personal with her living God. She had to go and put God slap bang in the heart of all that she did. So she went and said to Mordecai, let's read these words together. Go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, 
and fast from me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. Guys, if you do not put God in the heart of your calling, it only becomes a job that you have or a role that you perform or a thing that you do. But if you put God right at the heart of your calling, it actually becomes your destiny. If you truly want to step into your destiny, then actually you need to put God in the heart every day in every single way. Getting up close and personal with the almighty God. Hanging out with him. Chilling with him in your thin space. You see, for Esther, getting the destiny was all right, but it actually had to be fired up by the almighty, awesome, magnificent, fantastic God of heaven. Staying back here, just getting the calling wasn't enough. It had to be fired up by God. So, how's your thin space been going this week? How's your relationship with God been going this week? How's it been going for you? Have you been hanging out with the almighty God of heaven and earth? Have you been chilling with him? Have you even opened the Bible this year? Have you been hanging out and chatting with him? It's all going to start in that place. Esther realized that. It starts with the what if. It continues by hanging out with the almighty God of heaven and earth. But it doesn't stop there. Because it always leads to action. Here's the third thing. She went and womaned up. Finally, Esther sprung into action. Haman the Agagites, Haman the Amalekites, Haman the enemy of the Jews wanted, remember, to kill Mordecai and to get rid, ethnically cleanse the Jewish people living in the land of Persia. But God had a plan to go stop him, a plan called Esther, Queen of Persia. But in order to make that happen, Esther had to go get all courageous. Esther had to woman up. And so she did. Check out these words. I will go to the king. Even though it's against the law and a big, big, no, no, I'm not allowed to do it. I could end up on one of those pole things. I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And get this, if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. So what? Guys, I have absolutely no idea what your calling is in life. I have no idea what your purpose is in life. I have no idea what your destiny is in life. But at some time, I do know this. Your calling, your purpose, your destiny has got to lead to action. Staying in a holy place ain't enough. Calling, purpose, and destiny always leads to some kind of action. And to go do God's stuff in a world which is actively in rebellion against him is always going to take courage. Always going to take courage. To go do God's stuff in a world that hates him and hates his ways is always going to take a whole bunch of gumption, a whole bunch of courage. It's always going to need people womaning up and manning up. Otherwise, what happens? Nothing changes. Absolutely nothing changes. Otherwise, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, does not reach the people that the kingdom of Jesus is supposed to go and reach. Otherwise, our destinies never, ever get filled. Guys, this is kind of a call to arms. I don't like military stuff. I am a pacifist. But this is kind of like a call to arms. 
if God has gone and put something in your hand to go do, if God has given you a calling, a purpose, and a destiny, if you've discovered your what if, then actually it's time to be courageous. It's actually time to go be an Esther. It's actually time to step up into your destiny. It's actually time to be a destiny fulfiller. It's actually time to say, if I perish, so what? I perish. Can we just say those words? If I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. So what? (laughs) 10,000 days are in my sight, 10,000 still to come. I have no less days to sing God's praise than when it first began. If I perish, I perish. I've got a heavenly Father who's taking me home to be with him. If I perish, I perish. So what? If I perish, I perish. Can I go back to Rebecca? Who spells her name beautifully in the same way that my Rebecca spells her name. Um, I kind of think we've had the story of Esther, but we actually could have the story of Rebecca here. Uh, Rebecca discovered her what if. I mean, they were mind-blowing numbers, weren't they? How many peoples? Gosh, scary amounts of people. Scary when you're out there and there's a whole bunch of things that go wrong and your name is above the bar. Um, Rebecca discovered her what if. But her what if is pointless. Your destiny is rubbish and, 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 and not worth it unless you stay close to God, and clearly she's doing that, hey? Clearly she's putting God in the heart. I've seen you over the last six months. I can see you're putting God in the heart. But that's not enough, is it? Getting the calling, all right. Getting up close and personal with God, great. But actually she's got to go somewhere. And there are thousands of people getting paychecks today because Rebecca is doing something. There are thousands of people who are getting cared for today because Rebecca is doing something. There are thousands and probably tens of thousands of family members who've got a smile on their face today because Rebecca is doing something because she is being hands, feet, and voice of Jesus. That's all that Jesus is asking us to do. Be hands, feet, and voice of him. So what is your destiny? Perhaps we've all been searching for the supernatural and God is the God of the supernatural. And he does speak and say, this is your calling, this is your purpose, this is your destiny. But for some of you, perhaps your destiny is right now staring you in the face. Maybe it's your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your child, your grandma, your uncle, your auntie. Maybe it's the fact that you live at 13, Pickwick Close in Poynton, and it's actually about number 15 and number 17 if that's really an address. Maybe it's uh, your office space. Um, I tend to think that the office spaces of Great Britain are probably not that godly places. And therefore, perhaps God has planted you into that office space to be Jesus to a people who need Jesus. I don't suppose you can probably stand up and preach on your desk. But you can be an influencer. You can change a culture. You can be a Jesus person in that place. Maybe God has already put you there. What about on your football club? I am a football dad. I stand on touchlines. I have this um, um, understanding that football touchlines, the language is not always the cleanest. The aggression is not always the best. Maybe you are there. Maybe I'm there to be an influencer, to be a culture changer, to be a destiny fulfiller on the football touchline. What about the bus ride to work? Who gets the bus to work? Who gets the Lamborghini to work? 
How do you get to work? Maybe that is God placing you in that place to be a destiny fulfiller in that place. Maybe your what if is actually all around you. Guys, every single one of us have destinies to fulfill. God's now looking for the step up. Identify, get close to God, and step into it. Are you with me? Shall we pray together? If you're comfortable, can I encourage you to kneel? If that works for you, you don't have to. To kneel and come before a holy and awesome God. Because this is serious business, guys. I don't want anyone to get to the end of their life and say, I don't know what that was about. I don't want anyone to get to the end of their life and say, I'm not convinced I found out the thing that God wanted me to do, and I'm not convinced that I therefore did it. God has plans. Plans for you, plans for your life. He had a plan for Esther to go save the Jewish people for eternity. And so he called and she answered. Just in the quiet, we're just going to have a time of quiet. Can I encourage you simply to speak with your God and ask him to go reveal stuff about your destiny? He is a faithful God. He is a good God. He is a God who will never let you down. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.